Hi everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Hans Pearson, CEO of the Store Local Group. And I'm Mark Gregg, I'm the National Head of Revenue for Store Local. In light of recent events, we thought we'd get some experts from all around the globe to share their experiences and give us something to take away and apply it into our businesses over the coming days and weeks. We're really excited, so let's get into it. Welcome, Andrew Works, CEO of uh, Self Storage Association in, in Asia. Thank you very much for joining us uh, today on Storecast. It's a great opportunity to, uh, to have a chat and listen to some experiences that you're seeing from your members across the regions that you operate in uh, and, and to really share those experiences to the global self-storage community. So firstly, thank you very much for your time. And could I just ask you to introduce yourself, uh, what your role is and the regions that, and the countries that you, you generally cover? Sure. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm the exec- as you said, I'm the Executive Director of Self-Storage Association of Asia. And our triangle really uh, includes everything from Japan, mostly to India, and then kind of comes down around. And, uh, of course, we have friendly rela- uh, you know, relations with everybody in Australia New Zealand. Uh, but then, of course, we've got members who are in Australia, who are in New Zealand, who are in uh, the Middle East. We've got uh, members in uh, United Emirates, uh, Jordan. And then, of course, we've got members even in- across Europe. Uh, and the uh, U.S. and Canada. So, you know, of course, the focus is Asia, uh, but, you know, we've got friends all over the world that are interested in what's happening in this part of the world. I was involved at the founding of the association uh, six years ago when, when John Perrins, uh, you know, kind of a, a legend in Australia as well as across Asia from Steel Storage, he was, you know, kind of really got this whole thing going and brought me in and, and uh, to help them build it because I have a background running business organizations as the former executive director of the Canadian Chamber of Commerce in Hong Kong for five years. And he kind of, you know, he kind of realized that and said, hey, maybe you can help us set this up. And I did. And I've emceed the expos and conferences here every year since, uh, since 2014. Uh, But I came in as the executive director in November, but I've been in Hong Kong 24 years, uh, been involved in all kinds of wacky stuff and uh, now involved with all the wacky characters in the self-storage business. So, Fantastic. Well, thanks for everything that you're doing. And there's no doubt that uh, the Asian Association is really getting uh, a good head of steam and, uh, and there's, there's a big upside in the industry uh, in your region. And any comment about that, that you're, the opportunities and the growth profile of self-storage across the region that you cover? I mean, you know, given that we're dealing with, what, two-thirds of humanity in our region, uh, it's a pretty mixed bag. You know, we've got everything from the Japanese uh, self-storage scene, which is quite uh, comparatively well-developed compared to a lot of other places. And then we've got even, you know, then we've got what's happening in China, where, you know, they've definitely passed the first phase of development, but still it's really concentrated in what we call the first-tier cities, Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, Shenzhen. Uh, and just starting to get out to some of those other places. You go to India, you know, again, another billion plus people country. And in most, most of our members in the big cities there, they are the first people to open up storage. A lot of really big Indian cities still have no storage, uh, self-storage, mini storage, valet storage at all. Uh, Hong Kong and Singapore, pretty well developed, uh, takes place almost entirely in uh, industrial buildings. 
right? We don't have the big open parking lot or the big open spaces that you would have in the Australian uh, or Canadian or American or, or sometimes European context. Uh, you know, Malaysia, Thailand, you know, it's a real mixed bag depending on the country, the development of the economy and the development of their local self-storage industry. That, thanks for that overview. Then we cut to the current environment. We're obviously yeah. going through incredibly unprecedented times in every operating market yeah. at the same time, which is extremely unusual. Uh, yeah. Can you share some experiences of, uh, of the COVID-19 crisis and how it's played out through your region? Because you're in a really interesting position in that your region was first hit uh, in sure. the Chinese markets. Uh, then, and, and then uh, obviously Japan has, seems to have been impacted in varying regions. We hear reports of South Korea and then Singapore uh, maybe having somewhat of a relapse. I don't know. We're just repeating what we yeah. hear in the press. But it would be great to see if you could just share how that has swept across your region, what trends you've seen and, and what, what lessons might be learned in terms of marketing and discounting and, and staff support. Sure. Uh, so, you know, as everybody knows, it uh, kind of kicked off in China, right? And that was also the country that had one of the strongest uh, and, uh, you know, one of the strongest uh, lockdowns across the country from Wuhan, where there isn't really a lot of stores there. You know, we don't have any members or, or people in that particular city. Uh, but then that lockdown uh, was implemented all across the country. And so they were the first to go in, but in they've also been the first to come out. Uh, so, you know, we've been holding webinars and talking to our members who have, you know, who are, you know, explaining to members in countries that are currently under lockdown, what happened in China, getting our China members online so they can say, here's what happened. So uh, it's a real mix because in China, you do have some operators who've been in the business for a long time, sometimes in other countries and went into China. So, you know, they had some experience, they had some basis for what they were doing and they were able to handle it. Whereas, you know, when the lockdown came in, say, Malaysia, they said, listen, you've got a lockdown. You've got 48 hours to get your act together because this is real. Uh, most of the members in Malaysia, they haven't, you know, nobody's been in the business more than five years there. So, you know, we try to bring people together so they can learn from each other. What have they learned? Uh, first panic was, uh, are people going to try to withdraw right away? When they hear there's a lockdown coming, uh, are they going to rush to get things out? No. We found out that's not what happens. Uh, when people are going to have to work from home, when their kids are going to be getting schooling from home, they do not rush in to fill their houses up with all the things they wanted to get out in the first place. Um, so there was a lot of, you know, kind of concern on that front. But market in market across Asia, what we saw was that people, whatever they were worried about, storage wasn't on the top of their list to pull their goods out of storage. They just let it sit there. Uh, collections have generally been very strong. A lot of members were asking questions like, what do I do if people want a discount? What do I do if people want free months? Uh, in some competitive markets, it was like that last year already, like Hong Kong, where consumers are quite savvy and it's very competitive. But, you know, there wasn't a huge flood of that. There were a couple of occasions here or there, but by and large, people were pretty happy to have goods in storage. Uh, some, we found that in some areas, they actually got a rush of business coming in right uh because so for example in thailand you have some some cities where there's a large expat population right places like pattaya where people retire uh 
given the COVID started in Asia, people were like, oh no, I got to get out of Asia. It's going to be like, you know, SARS in 2003. So they thought they were fleeing to the relative safety of Europe. Whoops. <laughs> but they went and put their goods in storage before they left. Now they can't come back and they're paying their bills, right? Because what we're finding, of course, is those operators that are fully uh, equipped to collect money online, you know, whether it's credit card or other payment solutions, they've done really well. Uh, so those that are full are not seeing a wave of withdrawals. You know, business as usual, things are pretty, you know, they're kind of, people are paying their bills, fine. Newer operations that were struggling to fill their uh, venues, it's harder for them because they are not picking up a lot of new customers. Like when I talk about some people getting a, a some new business, that's, uh, those are the rare, those are the rarer cases. Most people, it's, it's kind of business is flat. If you were full, great. If you were struggling to bring people in, you're still struggling because people are not coming in or they're not moving around when they're under lockdown. And then in some of the markets which have reopened, yeah. uh, in China predominantly, has there sure. been any early trends of move outs or any difference to that sort of stable trading pattern? You know, we, we track this and we're talking to people all the time uh, in all of our markets across Asia. And there has not been a big wave of move outs yet. People are concerned uh, that a general economic downturn might put uh, pressure on pricing. You know, people asking for discounts, free months. But it hasn't happened yet. Uh, you know, it's almost like the COVID down. If, you know, if there's a broader economic downturn, we would look to past economic downturns for lessons not that there's something so special uh, about this occasion. And, and people are finding other opportunities. You know, we're talking to uh, a lot of our, our uh, members, for example, we're saying, listen, go talk to your accountant. Uh, ask them if they know an accounting firm that specializes in liquidations. Because if you're an accounting firm that specializes in liquidations, you might have a pipeline of goods that need temporary storage until they can be sold off to pay the liquidated company's debts. Right. So that's that's an example of where you could get pickup uh, in Hong Kong. You know, look, look to your local conditions in Hong Kong. The government said restaurants had to have tables and chairs one point five meters apart, which meant a lot of restaurants had to clear out furniture. Where are they going to put it? Some of them have, you know, can can use one room and clear out another. But for a lot of them, storage was the answer. So uh, people are looking to healthcare companies. Right. Are. Uh, whether it's a whether it's a doctor's clinic or quite often you'll have a, a building, you know, where, they, where I Canada, where I come from, it's very much the case. Same for Hong Kong, but a building will have many doctors' offices in one building, so they need storage for all the PPE material, the personal protective equipment. So you know, you got to look for these little opportunities, and I think uh, people are getting smarter about that. So even even if there's a general economic downturn, they're you know, market to market, people are looking for ways to fill up their their uh, facilities. That's very interesting, actually. And, and so you've got to get quite micro in your own market and, yeah. and hard for, for the business. Uh, and yeah. if, if I can share in the Australian market, and certainly our experience has been, the trading has basically been sideways. So there's inquiry yeah. has reduced a lot, but the inquiry we're getting is really good inquiry. Yeah. And, and so basically just trading uh, exactly sideways, which in the current environment, uh, to be frank, we're pretty pleased about. Yeah. Um, 
have you got any uh, any trends you're seeing uh, or experiences you can share in in general online marketing or, or or other experiences? Sorry for the traffic. I'm working from home. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, any uh, in, any marketing experiences you can share or or, or discounting practices uh, that that you're seeing in the various regions? And is it differing from region to region? Uh, yeah, it's a real mixed bag out there. So our friends at R6 SiteLink were on one of our webinars that we held earlier, and uh, they were saying that, you know, uh, in some markets, uh, for example, Google AdWords around self-storage, uh, those AdWords, the price of those AdWords has come down dramatically. But in other markets, we're finding that pricing is holding steady. So, for example, you know, Hong Kong is not really and, and hasn't been under a full lockdown. So in Hong Kong, it's still holding up quite well. Uh, but in other markets, the pricing of those types of things has come down. So uh, in terms of the online digital marketing, you know, we're, we're, we're keeping in touch with the experts. Uh, you know, I think I talked about earlier that in some cities in India, uh, our operators are the first people in. In some cities in India, they don't have any operators. But, you know, you look at their Google searches, uh, you know, Six Storage is one of our members. And they were, they're, they're tracking, for example, uh, Google searches for self-storage for the city of Chennai specifically, right? 2,000 searches a month, no operators. That leaves a lot of people very optimistic for opportunities. I mean, I, I would say our members in India are some of the most bullish on new opportunities, and they're under lockdown now. Uh, they're taking this as a planning opportunity, right? They're doing their research, uh, you know, their facilities they have now, of course, they're doing their best with, but they're also already looking to see what new markets they can open up. And the investor, we, we have a category of investor membership. Uh, those members are, you know, they've got their eyes open. They're like, Andrew, if you hear about any opportunities, let us know. We're, we're still in this market. So they seem quite optimistic. And Andrew, one of the other things that we're seeing a big focus on in the Australian market is support for the in-store staff. Any yep. experiences you can share around that? Because, you know, the staff are a really critical part of the operations and they're at the front line and sometimes yeah. dealing with customers who are under extreme pressure in their own personal business circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a lot of efforts uh, to create guidelines whereby frontline staff can maintain social distancing in operations. And sometimes it comes down to really simple stuff. It's if you do have new people coming in, uh, you know, if, if new people are coming in for new business and you can't, you know, if you can't do it fully online or over the phone, uh, you know, when they come in, Put down the contract, step away, you know, let them sign it. I mean, seems like the simplest thing in the world, but if people haven't had that procedure explained to them, right, it's, it's a little more, uh, it's a little more difficult, but I do find that a lot of the operators out here, they take their staff safety really seriously. Uh, and so, you know, Hong Kong storage, for example, is one of the pioneers in Hong Kong where we are. And I mean, they've just got a real caring culture. And so, they're very, they're thinking very deeply about the procedures to keep their staff safe. So, you know, little things like that. Um, and, uh, you know, hey, Asia, we're great at copying. Uh, and I'll be frank, I, I took some of the best ideas coming out of our, my counterpart in Europe, uh, Rennie Schaefer, uh, you know, the good, good, good Aussie known to many people down under, uh, running the European Association and the British, uh, the UK Association. I'll, I'll take his tips and repurpose them for the Asian market if I have to, because uh, it's good stuff. We've been happy to have Rennie on the show, actually. So uh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a lot of good lessons, which has been great. Yeah. Uh, so staff are really important, but the other 
trend we're seeing and the lesson we may learn and the acceleration we may see out of this current crisis uh, is automation and yep. and the need for contactless move-ins, obviously automated payments are old technology but need to be really taken up more aggressively. Yep. Are, are you seeing any, any early trends or commentary around the acceleration of the automation of our sector? Yeah, so that comes on a couple of different fronts. Uh, one, of course, is management, uh, you know, giving people the ability to come into the sites uh, or, or sorry, even online, get on your website and sign up for a locker, sign the contract, you know, set up their payment options, uh, and then just come in. And if they can have a move in, move out with a minimum of human contact, that's super popular now. Uh, you know, the security front, I know that our members in the security sector, uh, like PTI, uh, you know, they're just running off their feet right now, helping people to upgrade uh, remote control of their access and their security systems. And it's, you know, that's keeping everybody super busy right now. And, you know, there's, there's a joke that's been going around, what is driving your digital transformation strategy? Your CEO, your CTO, or COVID-19? COVID-19, <laughs> I mean, definitely. Uh, that's been true of us uh, as the association a little bit, uh, but we're seeing it in the membership as well. So if you are providing uh, remote access control, uh, online payment solutions, Anybody that hasn't really come to the table on that yet, they're getting there. But, you know, we are still seeing it in some markets where the members have enabled all those options. Um, there's still a lot of old school businesses. You know, for example, uh, I have members in the Philippines telling me this or Thailand. People still want to write a check every month to make their payment. You know, you got to have all the options now, though. You have to have the options. And, Andrew, can you uh, give us an up-to-date as at today, the 22nd of April, snapshot of the different regions and where they're at with their shutdown or their reopening and yep. how you see, if you sort of had a, a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being really optimistic and trading well, how the how the regions are generally sitting, roughly? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of different territories. Uh, and those that have gone into a late lockdown, uh, they have they definitely have been learning from those who went in early so for example japan was a little bit late uh to go into lockdown compared to say china or i mean malaysia was even ahead of the curve uh and the concerns i would say their concerns about people withdrawing or taking out their storage were less than they were for those who had an earlier lockdown because they could learn from what happened in those other countries Right. So when I'm talking to the members in countries that are just going into lockdowns, it's like, don't worry, you're not going to have a big wave of withdrawals. It just hasn't happened in the other countries. And I don't think yours will be any different. Uh, so the concerns are more about how they work remotely, uh, how they keep the staff motivated. Right. Uh, how they keep the staff safe under these conditions and how they maintain security. I mean, those those are the main concerns now. Uh, one thing I've heard from places like, for example, in Canada, where there's been a lot of lockdowns and there's been a little bit of a wave of crime because criminals are taking advantage of everybody being at home and not on the premises. Uh, I ha we haven't heard so much of that in any of our markets in Asia, right, uh, where there's been an increased incidence of, and, and there were definitely concerns that that might happen, but I just haven't heard about it from any of our members. Uh, so, like I said, Japan came late into the lockdown. 
they seem to be doing okay. They've got a pretty temper. They're, they're some of the more experienced operators in Asia. Uh, the association up there is run by a guy named uh, Yoshida, Yoshida-san. I'm in touch with all the time. Uh, and, you know, they, their association's having its 10th year anniversary. So they're, they're a little more mature in that respect. As I said, China's been through the fire and come out the other end. Uh, it's not exactly business as usual yet, uh, but the country of China has implemented a lot of high-tech solutions. Everybody in the country has a green, orange, or red COVID rating. Uh, you know, and if you've got a red rating, you don't leave your house, right? That, that's all done through WeChat. And people know you want to get on the bus, they check your rating. You know, you're not getting on my bus. You're not coming into my restaurant, right? If you have a red rating. So, I mean, uh, things are kind of, kind of getting back to normal there. Hong Kong never went into a full lockdown and the businesses are, you know, tentatively up and running. I mean, but I, you know, I went and visited somebody at their site yesterday. Um, it was okay. You know, and it was, uh, business as usual. Uh, Singapore has gone into a fairly strong lockdown. They were quite late to it uh, because they had a rise and you might've been seeing this in the news, but they had a big spike, uh, specifically centered around, uh, foreign workers who live in dormitories that are a little bit close quarters. Uh, so they've had a late spike and I know there's a lot of concern there, but you know, I, I would say that, you know, I have a lot of faith in the Singaporean government. Uh, we were planning to have our expo in Singapore in May. Uh, you know, right now looking at pushing it back to November, but still in Singapore, I still have a lot of confidence in how they handle things there. And I think they'll get this situation uh, under control. Uh, Malaysia under lockdown just extended until uh, it was a two week lockdown. It extended into a, uh, a May one, and theirs, theirs is quite strict as well. Uh, that is a situation where, so for example, in Singapore, storage is designated an essential service. But in Malaysia, uh, each site has to make an application, and usually it's on the basis of them providing services to something else that is an essential service. Right, so that's something we've been working on there that's a little bit different. Uh, Thailand, they're under a lockdown, but it seems to be quite manageable. Uh, and as I said, India also under lockdown, but people there are still fairly bullish about the future of the industry in general, right? Even though that things are a little bit strained right now. Fascinating to get that view right across the region, such a, such yeah. an incredible moment in time to, to be able to give a snapshot on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just last couple of questions, looking at uh, less from an operational, but more from an investment angle, uh, storage has once again proven to be pretty resilient in, yeah. in this current environment compared to a lot of the mainstream uh, property investment classes, office, yep. retail, um, sure. student accommodation, and a range of things, uh, hotels. Yep. Uh, I guess my question is across the Asian region, uh, maybe hard to generalize, but with the strong performance of storage through the COVID-19 crisis, are you seeing any greater um, awareness or acceptance of self-storage as an investment product? Or is it too early to call as yet? Too early to call. And I think that we have some work to do. And by we, I mean literally the association and our, and our members in each of the countries uh, to do some work locally to explain to the, the market. And there's, so by the market, I mean consumers, I mean government officials, uh, the media, and explain to them the benefits that self-storage is bringing. So number one, we need to explain to them how well the sector is doing, how steady it's holding. I mean, it's not exploding at the moment, but it's holding steady where a lot of others are falling down. 
And second, I think we need to explain to people how we are helping communities. Um, you know, as I said at the top of the interview, if people are clearing out their homes because they got to work from home or their kids need a proper environment to work from, storage is helping them with that. Uh, a lot of small businesses that are in trouble uh, are looking to storage to help solve their problems. I mean, Hong Kong had a bit of a head start with that with all the troubles that we had with the protests last year. Uh, and we heard a lot of stories of storage operators working with small businesses and saying, listen, if you're giving up your office and warehousing space, get a co-working space and storage, and that will save your business. You know, and I think we need to, yeah, I think we need to get that message across to legislators and the media uh, about the benefits that storage provides. You know, it's not just a place for, you know, wealthy people with too much stuff to put to that. We are really helping small businesses. Uh, Malaysia is a great example of that. Um, we've got members there who 30% of their storage is used by e-commerce businesses, mostly university students who haven't even graduated yet, but have a little bit of an entrepreneurial bug. And this is helping them to pay for their studies. Uh, that's a great story. And I think we have to get it out to legislators and the media there, um, you know, when they're considering things like, do you designate it an essential service? What's it gonna take for this economy to get back on track? Storage is part of the answer. Yeah, I don't have to tell you guys that, but yeah. Andrew, I couldn't agree more. I, you know, I really think that for the associations to take uh, a front foot and, uh, and really be a voice for the industry in the media and in the investment community uh, would be welcome. And it, it's still such a, um, a low level of awareness of what our product is, yeah. but it's really interesting you say uh, our experience through this crisis in our business, and I'm sure in the same in the other businesses in our markets, uh, has been that the community has really been aware, become aware to an extent of the value of self-storage and that we aren't just a place for excess junk, but we are a flexible, smart solution for business. Uh, and as we like to say, a part of the essential infrastructure for your, for your home and for your, for your business yeah. and your family. Um, so I think that's a shared experience and uh, yeah, I'd like to think there's a good investment opportunity uh, uh, for people to participate in the sector um, with, with great awareness of the resilience and the, and the relevance of, of what we offer. Um, yep. Andrew, I don't have any other questions. Is there anything that you wanted to cover off or anything you wanted to say on behalf of the association or, or anything that, that you wanted to cover? Um, I, I'm just really glad that we, we've had strong support from our, uh, from our, from our core members. Uh, over this time, and I'm, I'm really glad that you know, as I said, they're, they're kind of holding steady. They're not, they're not dying. They're doing, they're doing pretty, pretty well. As I said, nobody's exploding in terms of their their new business, but they're everybody's holding steady, and uh, there's a real sense of solidarity for making sure that the community works together uh, to get through this. And I appreciate it. It's one of the things that you know attracted me to coming into this role. I already knew the community a little bit, and self storage people are you know it's it's a it's a real honest business i find and so i was quite attracted to to come into this role with the association i uh, enjoy working with the people whether it's the guys you know all the way from uh, you know whether it's india australia new zealand uh, japan uh you know everybody in china you know taiwan i mean it's really great to have uh this community and uh you know and, and helping out their communities and their broader communities in turn so uh it's it's a good place to be uh, at, a, at a tough time for the world. Andrew, look, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. Your insights uh, in the Asian region have been really valuable and 
it's great to feel the world being so small at the moment. And as you say, it's great for each part of the, the regions and the different parts of the world to reach out and support each other. So thank you very much. And please be assured to you and your members that uh, in the Australasian region, there's a lot of support uh, and a lot of thoughts from our end uh, back up uh, as well. So thank you very much. Uh, look forward to staying in touch. And, uh, and on a personal note, when we're flying again, I'll make sure when I'm in Hong Kong that I come and say hi. Absolutely. We're, we're feeling the love from down under up here in Asia. Thanks for having me on the podcast. And uh, I'll remember to tell everybody, you know, uh, think global, but store local. <laughs> you said it. Well done. Good on you. Thanks, Andrew. Have a great day. All right. Cheers. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Bye now. Bye-bye.